Welcome to the Upbeat Podcast, powered by CoChart, a show that's dedicated to providing resources for families impacted by childhood chronic illness. For articles, videos, and show notes, visit our platform at theupbeat.cochart.org. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Upbeat Podcast, powered by CoChart. I am your host, Greg. Uh, we're missing our co-host, Roxanne, this week. Um, but yet again, the Upbeat is a podcast for social and emotional tips for any parent going through uh, parenting any child with any chronic illness. Uh, powered by CoChart, a nonprofit that does free arts and athletics for any child with any chronic illness in L.A., the Bay Area, and San Diego. And we're thrilled today to be talking with Megan Gallagher, uh, a 23-year-old from Los Angeles who struggled for years with chronic anxiety and panic attacks, um, Really al- felt really alone in her struggles. Uh, Megan was not impacted by a physical chronic illness, but that summary probably sounds really familiar to a lot of families who are uh, impacted by childhood chronic illness. Uh, chronically ill kids statistically are more likely to feel anxiety, um, that they've had something as disruptive in their lives as an illness. Uh, it can also affect the healthy siblings and parents in those families as well. Um, Megan has found various strategies for dealing with and overcoming her anxiety. Today, she travels the country speaking to middle school and high school students about managing their anxiety, loving themselves, and being in tune with their bodies. We are so thrilled to have Megan Gallagher. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So I know you've got some really amazing tips uh, for both the parents who who are listening, but also for the kids. But I wanted to start off with just you telling your story. Kind of when did you even realize that you had something called anxiety or what a panic attack was? What was the kind of very beginning of what this looked like for you? For me, I mean, as young as I can remember, you know, being six, seven years old, I just remember my body constantly feeling anxious and just like a knot in my stomach and everywhere I went, even I remember my elementary school so vividly and like walking from class to class and, you know, we're going on a field trip. You're going to go on a sleepover, a birthday party. You're going to go on a road trip with another family. Always constant dread and anxiety and, you know, what if this happens? And I was I was so young. All things that other kids might be saying, yay, oh, I can't believe I get to do this, that it was having sort of the opposite impact on you. Right. And I was so young, though, that I, I don't think I was making the correlation that my, I was, you know, my thoughts are causing this physical reaction in my stomach and... I, you know, would just go about my day and my mom would wake me up for school at 7 a.m. And I'm like seven years old and I'd be like, mom, my arm hurts. I can't go to school. Just call call me in sick. And so she started noticing me saying these things and trying to get out of like activities. And that's probably a great place to start because we have so many parents who listen. Do you remember how your mom had those first conversations with you, linking those things and anything that worked well or, or that other parents could could um, take away from? Yes. So it's funny because she actually still has them um, in my childhood bedroom. 
all of these journals. She would start right when I woke up for school. She noticed that I would be like, you know what, mom, my arm hurts. She's like, yesterday you said your leg, your, your leg hurt. What's happening? Um, and she would just be like, okay, you know what? We're going to try journaling. So she would write down, why are you saying these things? Are you actually in pain? Like what, what's really going on? Are you, are you, and she kept on saying this, are you making yourself feel sick? Oh, wow. Are you doing this to yourself? And I was so young, but, and then I would write down my responses, you know, before school, like 10 minutes. And I would just be like, I don't really know. And, but, but it, it got me thinking about like, am, am I actually, do I actually have the flu or a cold or do I have a broken leg or am I doing this to myself? Mm-hmm. Like, So she would physically sit with you. She would ask you the questions. Yes. But then you would write down your response. Would you say them back to her while you wrote them down or just write them and they were sort of for you? Um, We kind of were just sitting there together holding this journal. Um, I was in bed still and she would just sit next to me and I would tell her out loud and then I would write them down and she would just look at me and not, not judging or being mean, but just, you know, I think she wanted me to start doing the inward you know, kind of searching of, do I have to feel this way? Like, what's, like, you know, just kind of reflecting. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds like such a wise approach that your mom took. Um, did uh, did that, to what degree did that kind of, uh, you know, ease a lot of the issues or, or did this continue? What, what were some of the ways that this continued to affect you as, as you grew up? Um, so that was, you know, six, seven. And then as I got older, it kind of in middle school, so ages um, 11 to 13, it was a little bit dormant. But, you know, really, as young as seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, it just would come through as crying. And it was always anticipatory anxiety. So before any event, I would start crying and Megan, you're going to a sleepover tonight. You know, yeah, normally kids would be like, oh my gosh, that's so fun. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to have fun. We're going to eat cake. We're going to go on a skit, like, you know, whatever. But I would start thinking, I'm going to get homesick. I'm going to embarrass myself and people are not going to want to talk to, like, it's just, it's going to be bad. And I would work myself up so much um, to just crying. But thankfully, my parents still pushed me to do that because they wanted me to participate in life events. But it was really hard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it. Uh, Were there any big trips or anything that you missed out on or did you did they wind up kind of uh, getting you at the end of the day to to uh, go through and and go through with them? Um, Honestly, I would say, you know, out of the days of school, the field trips, the sleepovers, the, you know, vacations with other families or with our my family, I went to about 98% of it. Wow. My, my parents, um, they did such a good job and they're both a little bit different and they balance each other so well, but they, you know, they were like, Megan, we just want you to get, I remember at 14 years old, my dad telling me this, Megan, we want you to get in the habit of pushing yourself past the negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. You're not going to die. Like you are going to be fine, but we want you to like live your life and realize that you are creating this yourself. Is there anything else that your parents did that you would give advice to other parents uh, who might be going through this? I would say the number one thing is just be aware of their habits and if their personality changes or 
if something runs in the family, I think just being aware and having open conversations um, and just knowing that the earlier on that you kind of, you know, can notice maybe my child has anxiety or depression or um, is having panic attacks, social anxiety, whatever type of anxiety, just be aware as young as you notice it in your child, just take action, get therapy, teach them meditation, um, get them support because it's really hard as an adult to be functioning and to, and to be healthy and, you know, not know the tools and tips to calm yourself down. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the data that we always love at CoachArt, because we do free arts and athletics for, mm-hmm. for any child impacted by any chronic illness, is the the positive impact that both arts and athletics can have on depression rates, et cetera. Were there any particular art or athletic activities that you did growing up that you felt were really meaningful in, in helping in this regard? Yes. I owe so much credit to acting and being on stage Most people wouldn't think of it because, you know, people can get stage fright and public speaking is like, oh, my gosh. But I owe so much, one, to my parents who signed me up for these activities and they were like, you're going to do it. Um, Also sports. I did so much swimming and tennis and softball and volleyball, um, like soccer. Any type of exercise is so good for you because you literally, you know, just realize you burn off so much extra energy that – can, you know, build up during a panic attack or any type of anxious thoughts and you just, you feel so good. But acting and being on stage, I literally was in someone else's shoes and it gave me so much confidence and it just took my mind somewhere else. But I fell in love with it at like in fourth grade, just being on stage. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's great. Um, So as you travel the country and you have these really meaningful conversations with kids, Uh, It feels like that's part of a kind of generational shift that's happening and that in generations before us, mental health issues had certain stigma, et cetera, that they don't today. Are are you seeing a change in that as you meet with kids across the country that that there is more of an openness to having these conversations? Yes. And I think that social media especially can, you know, have pros and cons just like anything in life. But I think that with social media, there's just so many forums and blogs and people are posting about how they're really feeling and how they're doing. And I think magazines are and, you know, media outlets are doing such a good job of having, you know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So let's it's you know, let's not make it just a trend, but let's make it a real thing that this affects real people. Um, and in my TEDx talk, I discovered a statistic that's was done by Harvard. And in 2019, one in three teenagers, 13 to 18 year olds, will experience like chronic anxiety. You know, there's more things to compare yourself and to feel anxious with. But it's also like there's just so many more open conversations. And I feel like the stigmas are going down. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Uh, So you've talked about some of the things that you learned from your parents Um, What about, you know, what you went through yourself, advice that you would have for the children that some of our parents might be able to pass on or Mm -hmm. or any of the the students who are directly affected who might be listening? Anything that you would say, you know, as someone who made it through this, if you were talking and as you do, you know, talking to a child who might be 8 or 12 or 15 and dealing with some of these issues today? 
I would say one, just know that you're not alone. Um, anxiety and other mental health things can make you feel like you are so alone and that it's bad and it's embarrassing and that you're not going to get through it. But I would say know that you're not alone. Um, ask for help when you need it. I remember when I was 14 and I remember sitting my parents down after dinner one night and actually because I was old enough to realize that these are panic attacks and, you know, I'm this is my body and I'm old enough to know that something is going on. And I my hands were literally shaking under the table and I I felt like I was telling them, you know, that I something like it was so scary, mm. but it changed my entire life. It was like taking a leap of faith, but I felt a thousand, you know, weight just off of me. And I was like, I can breathe. And that's when I actually started full-time therapy and going to EFT tapping and meditation. But my biggest thing is just love yourself and start the self-care routines in any way that you can with whatever resources you have. There are so many, you know, free YouTube guided meditations, like go on YouTube and just type like guided meditations for anxiety and they're five minutes long. Um, and just be self-aware of what is going to trigger these thoughts. Is it a certain person, situations, caffeine, um, a certain type of food or, you know, like, what can I do every day to feel better and to improve and to just, you know, ask for help? You talked about kind of in the moment that you were having that conversation. Do you remember anything about the days, hours, kind of minutes leading up to that? How long of a process was it for you to build up to actually have that conversation? Was it more spontaneous? Any any uh, thoughts that you have on that? Um, like when I sat my parents down. Yeah, it so... I was obviously having panic attacks as, you know, young as seven and eight, but I didn't tell my parents um, that was the beginning of freshman year until the until 10 months later of that was 10 months of 20 panic attacks every single day. And um, and I had seven classes and I was, you know, pinching my hands under the desk and feeling like hot and flustered all day long and like I was going to pass out and I would, you know, grip that it was awful and it was torturous, but I didn't really realize that my for me it was anticipatory so it's like my mind is anticipating that you know it's 11:15 a.m. today yesterday you felt that way so guess what you're going to feel this way again so i really i be i felt like i was a prisoner to my own mind and i was struggling so badly but i it was so scary but it was about 10 months before i really felt like i need to tell someone and i feel comfortable telling my parents but it was really scary um, yeah. because I'm like, how are they going to react? What if they, you know, think I'm absolutely nuts, but they did the absolute best job. That's amazing. Uh, do you know of any free or low cost resources that are available, uh, today that, that, um, parents or, or students could go to, uh, to make those conversations or, or deal with, you know, dealing with these issues easier? Yes, there are. My favorite thing is, you know, going on YouTube and, the free guided meditations for anxiety, depression. There's so many different kinds. I love um, apps on your iPhone or on your Android or whatever. You can download like Unplug or Headspace. They are free for 30 days and then I think they're very little charge per month. But those are, you know, tips and tools on how to practice deep breathing throughout the day. And it's nice because you can just, you know, whip out your phone and just you know, press on this and you can put your earphones in. Um, 
I really recommend at school just, you know, if you feel anxious and like an anxiety attack coming on, if you're at work, school or anything, just writing down, literally just take it out of your head, write, write down exactly what you're feeling on your iPhone notes, on a napkin, on a piece of paper. Um, taking your thoughts out of your head is such a powerful thing. Um, essential oils, just carrying them around with you. I really liked therapy. Um, therapy absolutely changed my life. I did hypnotherapy too, but yeah, I just feel like you can literally Google, you know, symptoms of a panic attack and how, how do I start? Where do I get help? Um, just talking to someone, telling someone how you feel and just, you know, choosing healthy choices every single day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You talked a little bit about the role of social media today and the pros and the cons uh, that it has. Um, what what advice would you have? You know, I think any parent today is is trying to, you know, the parents didn't grow up with social media. Mm-hmm. And as a parent myself, trying to grapple with what is the role, of, what is the ideal role of social media for your child? I imagine uh, if your child is experiencing anxiety, depression, et cetera, those questions are even heavier on your mind. What What is some of your advice for the, the pros or the cons or, or what parents who who either have a child who's going through this or think that they might be, that they should be, a, you know, that, that your advice to them regarding social media? My biggest thing actually is something that my parents who are so smart and wise, they started doing this um, when I was 12 years old. They started taking my phone and laptop and any electronics out of my room at 7 p.m. I think that is one of the smartest things as a parent. It's, um, you know, in 2019, there's a lot of technology and, you know, gizmos and gadgets. But every night before, way before they go to bed, just take it out of their room. And, um, you know, it kind of because kids can go on their phones until 2 a.m. and then they don't get a lot of sleep and that can make you more anxious. But, I think just taking it out of their room and just kind of having like, okay, guys, it's, you know, this time of day, it's time to relax and go run around the backyard. Let's go on our family walk. Let's, you know, go enjoy dinner together. No phones, no nothing. I think that really helps. It's super simple, but just having rules and boundaries and um, also, you know, limiting what age they get a cell phone and limiting what apps they can have and what profiles they can set up. It's better to stay out of it and realize that you're not missing out on anything um, and just limit yourself. Mm -hmm. You talked a little bit about uh, the the link between sleep and anxiety. Uh, Did did, um, the anxiety wind up affecting your sleep very much? And and did you have any tips for how to deal with that element of it? Yes. So actually, after I graduated high school, I did one year of community college at San Monica City College, and that was when my um, sleep anxiety was really bad. And I it had never affected my sleep my whole life, but I started, you know, I had a lot of roommates, and I was like, oh, my gosh, last night I only got six hours of sleep. So then tonight, the same thing, the anticipatory, um, sure. what, you know, what if, oh, then last night was that, so then tonight is going to be the same way. Um, that was a lot harder. Um, I, I, it involved a lot of phone sessions with my old therapist who I still talk to sometimes from high school. And I actually found so much joy and 
just feeling better with the guided meditations on YouTube, specifically sleep anxiety. Mm. And there's so many that are like an hour long and it's someone who's talking to you and it's the most calming thing. Um, I, I think there's so many remedies, but just whatever kind of anxiety you have, like for, for sleep, for social, for anything, for a family situation, um, just telling someone how you feel it makes you always feel better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great piece of advice. And you've mentioned uh, meditation and, and some of that um, kind of uh, more holistic uh, trends. Mm -hmm. And we actually, at CoachArt, we have started providing more of those to students as well. And Headspace that you mentioned was actually a, a really phenomenal partner to us, and they hosted an event um, at their offices uh, that Andy, the voice of, of their app, um, was at the front of the room. And I remember he said to our students, okay, everybody lie down now. And I thought, how is this going to work that I've never seen? I, meditation is something I associate so much with adults. I had never seen a group of kids engaged in that way before. And sure enough, all of the kids lay down. They were so That's present awesome. and in the moment. And you could tell it was almost like all of the things that they go through made them yearn for this and yes. that it was this soothing element of it that was just fantastic. Teaching children that as young as possible, like how to meditate and how to be self-aware is the best thing for them because I think that will carry you so far throughout your life. Yeah. And so we're so thrilled uh, to have gotten some of these tips directly from Megan herself uh, her TEDx uh, talk is also chock full of unbelievable uh, advice. And I assume that's on your website? It's actually, it's on my website, but it's also on the YouTube, um, the YouTube TED channel. If you, oh, wow. if, if, you're, if you're just watching a TED talk, um, you can also type in Megan Gallagher anxiety TED talk or Megan Gallagher anxiety TEDx talk. Um, but it's up there. And I just, I share that journey of being a freshman and sophomore in high school and the, you know, this big trip I was going on, but I felt so anxious and I was so, what if I die? What if the plane crashes? What if I can't get there? And I bet uh, for any parent listening or student uh, that a great place to start is Megan's website. Uh, it's Megan W. Gallagher, M-E-G-A-N-W-G-A-L-L-A-G-H-E-R.com. Uh, also on social media at Megan W. Gallagher, uh, same spelling, mm -hmm. on uh, what uh, channels? I'm on Instagram and Facebook, and I have my own YouTube channel. I'm also on Twitter and LinkedIn. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> um, and so thank you so much uh, for joining us here in the studio today. Uh, and for anybody listening, we invite you to check out uh, Megan's, um, all of everything that she's got to say on, on any of those channels. Uh, and, of course, for folks, uh, parents who are in L.A., the Bay Area, or San Diego. We mentioned uh, Coach Arts programs a few different times. Uh, you can register your child for free arts and athletics from Coach Art at www.coachart.org, C-O-A-C-H-A-R-T dot O-R-G. So for today, Megan, thank you again so much. We're so grateful to have you come by. Thank you so much for having me. That was such an honor to be on your podcast. You can find more content like this at theupbeat.coachart.org, where we have blog posts, podcasts, and YouTube clips, as well as a Facebook group that you can join and share your own helpful advice with other families who are dealing with social and emotional questions about kids going through chronic illness. So we hope to see you there. Thanks so much.